0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side, a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and helping us stay on the same page as a family. Today for episode 115, we'll be discussing the book Destroyer of Light, which we left upstairs, but that is okay. We did read Destroyer of Light by Jennifer Marie Brissett.
1: Yes, we Before did. Before we get
0: into that, just a quick... We are so sorry. Honestly, there's no real excuse. We've been busy with that baby and then we just been hanging out and then we had a friend come in town, but we are here. We are late and I know y'all will forgive us cuz we're first-time parents and we're still getting our shit and, together.
1: And those listening in the future, you didn't have to wait. You didn't you have to wait at all. all the episodes.
0: We're right here. You didn't have to wait one little bit and we for sure want to thank a special group of people and that is our Patreons, patrons, we've been working hard. You gotta love us, but we want to shout a couple of y'all out. Give it up for Danae Love, Hope, C, Ashley, Florence, Sierra, F, Victoria, Crawford, Melissa, Evans, Taisha, Taya, White, and Talia. A lot of T's there on the end, but we love y'all. Tweet. Totally awesome. And we, if you would like to be a part of this, we, that is our Patreon, Mm -hmm. that is our family, and show us a little extra support every week for producing this podcast. That was a couple days late, but we're not going to get into that. If you would like to support the Sci-Fi Sci-Podcast, please, the link is in the episode notes. You can give $1, $2, $5 a month, whatever you want, baby.
1: Give us your money and your attention. That's right. That's right. I just thought of a funny catchphrase. It's like, when you come late, you don't have to wait.
0: When you come, oh, so sorry, Ben. When you come late, you don't have to wait. What? What? What is that? What is the double entendre? The cleverness of that? Late
1: and wait. You know they rhyme. Oh, they rhyme. And maybe it's sort of the thing. It's like you're holding off on your orgasm, and then, um, like, if you're the one. So if you're if you're you know if you're helping someone else to orgasm, right? Then and then you help that person orgasm, then you, um, then what they've orgasmed, then you can just orgasm right away. There seems so to be a lot of you math to involved. Wait. So like here. So if you Carry orgasm before your partner, then you sort of have to wait. Yes, you know? but
0: somebody's going to wait in this analogy.
1: Yeah, but if you come late, come late, you don't have to wait.
0: How do you feel about that joke?
1: You know what? Uh, it's not a good That's, one. A, that's
0: Whenever my mom what I would do something with my for my mom or like do a performance or something, and I know I didn't do well, I would be like so how's my piano recital? I
1: how, thought it was awesome. How, I'm how do doubling you, down. My joke was freaking hilarious. She'd say,
0: How how do you feel about it? That yeah, was it. That was some,
1: my story. That's some petty pettiness. That's some uh, drag drag pettiness, right? It's not pettiness, it's shady. It's, tr- it's shady.
0: It's wanting to be honest with your child without completely breaking their spirit.
1: Yeah, that tone sh- screams shady. Also, but you it's you a sort, you a sort of had person. um uh, drag race on like nonstop because we have a friend here and you and yes, that friend connect over drag race. So yes, and, and I'll like I'll be like I'm not interested, and then I walk by and I'm like just staring at the screen. Screen and Amber says you're not made out of glass, and then she like throws a bagel at my head or something.
0: Got it. That's well. What do you think it is about? walking past a TV and just standing right in front of it and thinking people are going to still be able to you see know, it. What I'm do you like, think that is? I'm
1: like a little 12-year-old boy who's yes. walked by like a sign that has like bare breasts for the first time. That's how every but that's how it is every time every I walk. Time. Every time I walk by a TV because TVs are just lighting screens and I'm not used to screens. So
0: you're yeah. not used to screens, even after yeah, all my, of this like, TikTok edu- stuff? My,
1: yeah, even then, because my education was basically like a one-room schoolhouse of like the 1800s. We didn't Correct. Really have compu- did computers. you have a dunce cap and everything? Have a, yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah, for being a fool. No, but I did get my mouth washed out with soap.
0: Oh, yeah. was it fun? Did you pretend to like it? Oh,
1: yeah. I was like, give me that soap. Just soap my mouth up.
0: Bu- Your mom did that? Yeah. So how does that even work? Do you put the soap in your mouth and then fill the child's mouth with water? Or do no, you, you just, just like, like lather the soap and then uh, put it in? Yeah, you're like,
1: I'm <coughs> sorry, gaggy. just thinking about it. You take the soap, you just rub it on them. Or, you know, in a Christmas story, you have them bite down on soap.
0: And was it effective? No, I
1: still, I don't know. Are you kidding me? Why did she do that, that to you? Do you remember sir, why? The why? Uh, yeah, I think I called my sister a bitch. Ouch. You did that? At what yeah. age? Maybe
0: like seven or eight. I would have washed your mouth out with some soap too. Well, it's you know it's Why'd corporal ca- punishment. It's a science. Why it's did like, you do that? Sorry, your your head because, is. Because uh, I had
1: a neighbor. I asked the neighbors like, "What can you call your sister?" Uh, a, a really mean word because he knew all like swear words, and he's like, "You can call her a bitch."
0: Wow. And I said, "What was your neighbor's name?" Uh, they had like some stupid ass Italian names. Wow. <laughs> Not anti woman and anti Italian. Well, let's before before we go any further. I'm just uh,
1: kidding. Uh, my my best friend's Italian.
0: <laughs> who's your best friend? This is news to me. I thought I was uh, your best friend, and I'm not Italian.
1: Uh, no, I had a friend growing up, John Matarazzo. I am a bitch, though. I had a friend growing up, John Matarazzo, uh, and then all my Dang, cousins you'd Italian. Dang, you have to give his.
0: You have to put his last name out yeah, there. Yeah, you
1: have Matarazzo. And so then, John uh,
0: Materazzo if you are listening to this, you can't be oh calling he's, him he's a shit. <laughs> bratty sisters bitches out here. No, That's no, not no, cool. No, that wasn't
1: him. That wasn't him who taught me the words. It was. So it was why are we talking neighbors. about him? Because I was saying that I I made I said something anti-Italian, which is wrong, and you know. And
0: then you just pulled out the like. No, I have a black wife. I'm not racist.
1: Yes, exactly. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Lots of how, how do you my, feel? Oh, wait, about my, what you my just my said? cousins are Italian. <laughs>
0: How do you feel about what you just said? Uh, the Marsha Thomas.
1: I, I feel that uh, back in the day, it would have been, you know, not woke at all. You know, back in the day when Italians were treated terribly, you know, they were derogatory called derogatorily called garlic eaters.
0: Oh, I was like, you don't have to say it. I, I got you.
1: <sighs> yeah, but I love garlic. So... <laughs>
0: Great. So okay. I'm doing the bit blackout. someone. Yeah. Black. OK. So anyway, speaking of uh, doing bits and performing, we went to a movie premiere this week, which was fun. Yeah. You um, looked
1: cool. Amber, you got to meet your hero. Ravina kn- Simona.
0: That's not her name. I don't know if Raven Simone is my hero, especially in the last few years, because she said some off the wall shit. Um, Not off the wall, but just some tone diff things or she's you know what she does sort of she's, like me she yes very you uh she says things that are indicative of the fact that she didn't go to like a public school or it's not really, classes yeah not even classes just like unaware She'd be like, "I'm not black. I'm an American." So like, "Oh, I see. Okay, girl. You know, it's like S- it's she's to... like, I'm not even a lesbian. I'm I'm a I'm a woman who loves other women. What's I I don't like all these labels y'all are putting on me.
1: Subscribe to labels. Got it.
0: Yeah, which is a vibe, I guess. But it sucks when a little black girl it's comes a, up to you and obnoxious. you're like, "Wait, give me a second. It, it it sucks when a little black girl is like, "Hey, I've." I really grew up watching you as a black girl, as a, uh, a girl with hips. Like I grew up loving your content and loving your, your content. Look at what, what age we are. Loving what you do on screen. And to sometimes hear back from her, like, well, I don't identify as black. You're like, okay. Like she's had some interesting Oprah interviews, but that doesn't mean she's not incredibly talented. And it was great to meet her um, on the carpet. What did we go see on that movie premiere, Ben? Tell, Tell, tell the people about it. What was, what was that experience like for you?
1: uh it, it my feet hurt because i had just bought these brand new shoes for that day yeah and so my feet hurt i do remember that i thought it was cool to walk next to celebrities uh yeah. you know seeing people that you mostly just see on television like the guy from uh blackish um anthony anderson mm-hmm. And uh, seeing you know Lauren uh, London, who uh, cheers for like her like make it a fucking movie and like dealing yeah. with grief and a bunch of bullshit. And for those um, uh, people who don't know, uh, she was uh, the partner of like Nipsey Hussle uh when he was shot and killed it's super tragic and sort of seeing her come into this film called you people that's all about la i think was perfect for her and i think yeah she was incredible in the film uh yeah you know seeing all she did a great job yeah it was it was really really fun to be hanging out and then also you know like shuffling out of the theater and um you know, walking, we're, we're, shuffling next to Lunel and that was really great. And Lunel's got these like beautiful, big old, like Gucci it's glasses of shades. Yeah. and we're sort of just talking to her. And then at one point there was a really funny moment. Uh, I
0: was it funny or was it? I
1: thought, I thought it was really funny because I think it's indicative of the age we're in where, uh, tick and Instagram comedians and celebrities are in some ways on the same level of like, uh, creativity as like comedy queens film queens right so this is where we're at and a lot of people hate that they're like oh my god and so that there was this younger woman uh probably in her you know early 20s and she probably i think she was a student and so she sees lunel and she's like oh my gosh lunel and then she sees us walking next to lunel she's like oh my god and then she's like, can I get a picture of you, Lunell, for my mom? Takes a picture of us. And then she's like, can I get a picture of you, Amber and Ben, for myself? And it was just like one of those cringy moments where yeah. like, it's like, motherfucker, you just put us on the same level of Lunel. And, and Lunell um, was
0: right there. So she was kind of like, uh, not get a picture of me uh, for your mother. mother. I mean, she, def- she definitely like played up like, what? <laughs> you just told me you love me. And meanwhile, you love them. Yeah, it was very <laughs> funny. But it like imagined... It must it must get exhausting. I feel like as a woman, like it it feels so. Th- and this is not me trying to reach or make a problem. Like obviously, Lunel is the fucking goat, and this girl was not ill-intended at all. No, no. But all. I I wonder if people go up to older male actors. Like, yeah. would you go up to Robert De Niro and say, like, "Can I get a picture of you for my dad"? Would do you think people do that? I'm just speculating.
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. Younger Maybe. kids. Yeah. Or do they sure. go to
0: the? I was like, "You're fucking Robert De Niro." Can I get a pic? And then to Arrow Street, they're like, "Ooh, my mom loves you." Can I get a probably. picture? Yeah, I'm yeah, telling you. It celebrities. probably like to c- older kids people. now,
1: they want to be. They don't want to be movie stars. They want to be, you know, influencers. They no, that's be not YouTube what I'm saying. I'm just, but I'm saying a kid seeing a movie star knows that <laughs> that person is a fan of their parents. I know. That's that. what I'm saying.
0: I'm talking about specifically. Seeing older women and doing that to older women, and possibly not doing that to older men. Like I don't oh. look at Leonardo DiCaprio and think my dad would love you. I'm like, yeah. damn, you're uh, fucking.
1: I don't. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Does I that make sense? I don't. I don't know. I think it actually is just where your fame and celebrityhood is coming Got from.
0: It. Also, Lunella does kind of fall into that like, uh, like a, she does a lot of like auntie style commentary roles, like. Lots of like '90s black films versus like Johnny Depp or whoever still plays like a smoldering lead. So so maybe it just depends on like what kind of things you've. I
1: I I I'm not capable for Johnny uh, Depp. I'm just saying. No, no, I'm saying obvious. Yeah, I'm just saying that I think that's a a Gen Zer. Would see Robert De Niro and be like, "Oh my God, I want a picture of you for my dad." Because gotcha. Gen Z really doesn't give a fuck about Robert De Niro, but I could see them understanding that he's important in the, you know, realm of like, you know, gangster movies that dads love, right? Right. Sound so. off
0: in the, you know, in the Instagram and Patreon streets, if y'all understand what I'm saying. Like, do you think that a Gen Zer would go up to an older man and say, like, "I want this picture for my grandpa"? because that, I feel, in my brain, that just happens to women. It's like, oh, you're an old auntie. Get over here so I can show my auntie. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm probably reaching, and I'm not also that invested in it.
1: Talking about the power of language, language is powerful. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, you know, uplifting people, recognizing them. Oh, got Uh, it. Oh, yes, Ben, go
0: ahead. Yeah, so language is powerful,
1: and it is a tool to uplift, and it's also a tool to hurt people. So I think our last episode you're listening to these in chron- chronological order. I use the phrase uh gyp. Uh the phrase gyp refers to gypsy and it is a derogatory term that slipped my mind and so Yeah maybe
0: not say it again.
1: Um I sure
0: right no. Like, I I would feel... Cr- I don't know. I, I run everything through a black lens, so I would hate if some white person came in and was like, I'm so sorry I called you a nigger. I didn't mean to call you a nigger. Yeah, it really hurts you to call you a nigger. I'd be like, stop yeah, saying it! Just that, stop. That, that's a, a
1: different... I, I know. I know. I'm just saying but that... P- people don't say the G... No one would know what I'm talking about if I said the G word, because...
0: Oh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm I not as um, let, educated on the word, and I I err on the side of, like, I'm not going to say it, but I think if... um. I appreciate people who reached out to us and said like, yeah, let hey, me, let me, kind of sorry,
1: absurd. let me, let me finish. So yeah. So the word gypsy is a derogatory f- term. It's uh, so don't like call someone that, and also don't use the word gyp, which I used in the last episode to mean like cheap. And basically that sort of stereotype of uh, Roma, uh, w- where traveling folk um, has been used to oppress them and kill and, you know, harm uh, many of them, especially during, uh, Hitler's reign but it also continues today and Romania Roma are treated like second class citizens and I should have I learned that when I went to Romania for a mission trip when I was 16 I was specifically told like these are not like don't refer to them as gypsy they're the Roma people so I was like actually culturally trained and I freaking forgot Yeah. last episode I used the term gypped that was a good so way to say it because I was I like said cheated
0: correct I, it's just funny that you're like you don't think you like just pulled your dick out a little bit on that.
1: No, I'm <laughs> saying that you can you can go <laughs> like you, I should know that you can be someone, culturally trained as someone and who's go to traveled
0: to Romania and <laughs> I too should be I like, should like that was kind of like a flex.
1: It was a flex and it flex a flex so hard that my muscles broke.
0: I again I as someone who is in a marginalized group that many people hate. I always just run everything through a black lens, so I'm imagining somebody apologizing to me. And they're like, "I should know that because I've been to Ghana and I learned about." I <laughs> and i be like, "Stop! I just don't... stop! Just <laughs> apologize, motherfucker!" I don't know. Yeah, this did. is a good. But you're acknowledging it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fucking with you. But, but I did, I, I run I did go to, I did a go to Romania. I, I know you. You just pulled and, dick out. And, and then out in front Budapest, of everybody.
1: Hungary, Budapest. So
0: yeah, yeah. You 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 let us know that your world traveled and still white <gasps> as fuck. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and still you could be. Educate and still be uh, an, an asshole, right? What's that line from Glass Onion? Like, don't miss, you know, just because you're educated doesn't mean that you know your shit or something. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm messing up my lines.
0: Perhaps, but I, I, I think our listeners will appreciate you acknowledging that, and I appreciate you acknowledging that as well. And we are working. It is our duty to improve ourselves, and that is... Um, a line I remember it from the good place that was said by a famous philosopher who I cannot remember but we are always trying to improve our language and upgrade our right Who said that? It is our duty to improve ourselves. Socrates Aristotle uh,
1: Perhaps I was actually thinking of the Octavia Butler quote from Kindred where okay. she says um, uh, that educated doesn't mean smart. Oof. So, I am not smart, y'all. I might be educated, but I'm not smart, so.
0: I think it is smart to acknowledge when you mess up, and you just did that. Oh, thank you. You're like, you know, you're like my best friend. So, even when I see you being hard on yourself, I'm kind of like, wait, don't. Oh, wait. Don't now, I- I'll be hard on you, but wait, you're also my friend. Be kind to yourself. Yeah.
1: Work- I'm working on it, bro.
0: Speaking of kindness, we... I promise we will will talk about the book that we read. But speaking of kindness, the last thing we want to do before we get into the book is shout out those of you who have been incredibly kind to us by leaving what, Ben?
1: A podcast review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast.
0: A podcast review on Apple Podcasts. This one is from Bella Flair 1017. Thank you so much, Bella Flair 1017. It reads, Hooked on the Wildlands. Nice, Ben. I've been following Amber and Ben for a minute now. And as a proud member of the Country Club, I must say I absolutely love this podcast and their family. I was moved to write a review because I found myself beyond excited for the TV adaptation of Kindred. Not just because it's my favorite book of all time, but also because I'm so excited to hear Amber's, and Ben's, LOL, take on it. Their commentary is intersectional, introspective, and dynamic. Drawing connections between various genres and mediums and intentionally centering black and indigenous authors, directors, poets, artists. And they be putting the people on. It's really special. And their sweet little baby makes it all the better. If the Wildlands have a million fans, I am one of them. If they have 10 fans, I am one of them. If they have one fan, It's me. If they have zero fans, I am no more on this earth. You know it's real when I'm standing in AKA as a Delta. Ah, well, ski oop. Thank you for, thank you. Keep doing what y'all are doing. What a motherfucking review! That was really nice. Isn't that incredible? It's Didn't okay. Did a to Delta, Delta out do out.
1: your hair during like step shows and stuff? Of course, we and- had to. This- and yeah, go ahead. Share. Oh, we just had,
0: uh, for those of you who do not know what the fuck I'm talking about at all, there are black, uh, the Divine Nine, there are black sororities and fraternities, and um, I'm an AKA, and then this writer is a Delta, and there's there's kind of like arch nemesis, air quote, but that just makes like fun. It's like shady banter for the yard. It kind of does remind me of like drag queens when the library is open. It's
1: like Mets versus Yankees type of thing. Yes, right? like White Sox versus Cubs.
0: We're both, yeah, we both rep each other and love each other, but we like pretend to have B on the yard and so um this person's i guess in the rival sorority but i was telling ben all the time that when i was an aka we would all have to get our hair sewn in for the step shows like this one Delta, her name was Chandra. shout out to Chandra wherever you are she would do all of our hair and the next day on the yard we would all pretend to hate each other so it was super funny because it's like we all with each other and loved each other um well at least in my school it wasn't that deep but we we stand an apple podcast review keep those podcast reviews coming we love y'all now ben Why don't you tell them again what we read, because this show is about black science fiction and fantasy.
1: All right. So we read this book, Destroyer of Light, and humans have escaped this dying Earth. And the dying Earth was wrought by this cloud like shadowy alien creature called the G and they leave Earth to live on this planet called Ulysses, and the G have followed the humans to Ulysses uh, for whatever reason. We don't really know, and it, it's basically to make peace with them after they fucking destroyed the Earth, but against this backdrop, there's a, this violent warlord who's abducted a young girl from the agrarian outskirts of the planet, leaving her mother searching and grieving, so that's basically a good summary of the book. How'd I do Amber? Did I summarize it pretty well? What, what am I missing?
0: Pretty great. I mean, I think you just really missed an opportunity to scandalize it the way Wendy Williams would, because it was ultimately like a space opera. Yeah. It's like a, a soap opera in space. Yes. Like all of these converging stories coming together and yeah, you did a great job.
1: Oh, I did forget there's two genetically modified twin brothers who are desperately searching for the lost son of this human alien couple in a criminal underground uh, where trafficking children has become a regular thing for unknown purposes. So
0: yes, yeah, so basically, imagine Roger Rabbit, but Eddie Valiant's brother didn't pass away, so now they are have some genetic capabilities where they can speak to each other telepathically to find a missing child
1: uh wow that connection <laughs> was so unclear but how it, is that
0: unclear R-
1: roger rabbit is like a noir film
0: uh, so many people have seen who framed roger rabbit
1: right but yeah so the only thing it shares is that it's about detectives
0: right but that's what i have to do with my brain because when you're like an agrarian mastermind of the sci-fi zealot space operatic <laughs> Did I say did I say to me this of uh, the consciousness you know, awareness. You you do space babble. All right. I So this so I gotta be like, okay, some, some beast, Texas twins. It's
1: mm-hmm. Beasts of No Nations meets Star Trek Thank meets you, Lilith Brood. Correct. That's so great. So that's there, great. There is Child Soldiers and this yes. book, uh I was listening to an inter- interview, took her like ten years to write. Uh, just spoiler. that's really interesting. Yeah, and the reason she said is that she focuses on a young girl's trauma being a war wife, and uh, this is a term that does exist, where young girls are kidnapped and forced to be war wives for these warlords. Yes, and she was annoyed uh, and frustrated. At this time, because this is uh, during the time of Invisible Children, which was a movement mm-hmm. to stop child soldiers. And it generally just focused on young boys who were kidnapped. It and did. Said, I remember seeing this that. Is, this is terrible, but she's like, there are also girls being kidnapped, but their roles are not to be soldiers, but to be like raped and assaulted and forced to do like labor to like make sure these camps were running. And she wanted to make that the center of her story.
0: Yeah, and she did. And those scenes were very. I, I I would definitely I I really enjoyed reading this book and listening to the audio book. Of course, I always love doing that. But I do want to give a nice trigger warning that those um, scenes of like rape and violence are pretty graphic and they are a lot. They they just are. Um, it she she really puts you like in the shoes of these women. Yeah yeah. Girls, they're girls. Sorry, and, they're not women.
1: Yeah, they're they're children. And the person who is doing all this kidnap is this general who hates the Crest G. He said he's basically kidnapping these children and seeing which one of them are genetically modified so that they can, you know, turn into Cloud themselves so that he can destroy all the Crest G. And so he the way he controls everybody is that he takes on different personalities. So and it's and almost absurdly he will like turn into an old woman and like walk around with a cane, pretending to be an old woman, basically play acting and using religion as a way to like keep people control. It very clearly Jennifer e. Marie Brissett does not like charismatic, like religious people. They, yeah, they're they're freaking terrible they kept on maybe think of um right now in the political environment george santos is getting a lot of shit because he's like yeah every fab- other
0: day you come to me with like what so break down who this guy so, is and what is his deal like he's like a, a improviser I, so
1: <laughs> basically so there is this whole world of a, like identity politics and when you can take on a different identity for you know religious manipulation. So Trump did this to you know reach out to the evangelicals. So right, he, like holding he, a Bible he and pretended a, yeah. to be evangelical and acted evangelical and said buzzwords to show himself to be evangelical. Right. Right. And so in this story, the novel "Destroyer of Light," you have a character pretending to be possessed by an old woman when he wants to talk to a child and make mm-hmm. her make the child feel comfortable comfortable and then he pretends to be possessed by the general which allows him to be all business and macho and sort of you know control his commanders when he wants to be violent anyway i say all that because right now george santos like created a a alter ego personality called george devolder so he's a drag queen okay go off uh like a drag queen and to do business stuff. And then George Santos is his like political side. But then also he pretended that his grandparents were Holocaust survivors. Okay. And then (laughs) to like cater to to, like a, the Jewish vote. And so he, he's doing all this. And then at one point to renege all that, once it turned out that one, he didn't work for like Goldman Sachs or all these other like famous business companies that he pretended to work for. He reneges all that. So George DeVolder is like a complete scam. And George Santos, you know, a a Jewish man who, whose parents survived, you know, the Holocaust. So that's also a lie. Because so wait, this
0: is the same person, but this is what he calls his alter ego. Yeah. George DeVolder. It's so,
1: this, this is a real political person. Yeah, that's why. I've, With,
0: nev- I've heard of the Santos part, but I didn't hear about his other yeah, alter it's ego. So
1: it's, it sounds like something from a fantasy novel, which it is does. exactly what we're reading about in Destroyer of Light.
0: It sounds like he took his, like, intro to poly science class a little too literally. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so he— Like,
0: you gotta, gotta be a he, demigod, but also he's like, oh, bet. Hold my so, beer.
1: So basically he said, no, I'm Jewish. Like, you know, I am a little tired-ish. So he, he didn't say— What? His, his response to all this was like, no, I said I was Jew-ish. Like, tired-ish. As opposed to Jewish, because he's good at business. Uh, so just awful. This, this guy is a piece of shit bag. Total awful. Okay. Wow, then, wow! Just looked at you also, like that's enough. The other thing is that this is. It even gets better because he's a fucking thief too. So he stole his roommate's like uh, scarf, like this, like three hundred dollars scarf. And the roommate was like, Oh, seeing him give a speech ready for the Trump rally in like January 5th. With my the, Burberry scarf on. Yeah, he's like, Oh, I, that, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay, I kind of love this guy. It's sort of like <laughs> fiction, you know, merging. I kind of
0: love this villain era that he's in. I love the I, delusion. He's well, doing tons of harm, but I'm into it. I, I think,
1: and I think Jennifer Brisset is picking up on this idea that. Political people take on political personas. Yeah, and George Santos is this perfect representation of this. And those and those people who take on those personas are generally inauthentic, right? They're not yeah. actually caring for the people. And well, so it's, this level it's, it's of so improv- interesting
0: is that people are clocking it so early because it's like, well, Trump's done a level of this, but nobody clocked it soon enough, and and, and he's still doing it. But George is like. George has bad game. He he made up too many lies too quickly. Yeah, well, because cert- he's pretty young in the game. How old is he?
1: He's he's our age.
0: Right. So he's like thirty three, thirty four. Yeah.
1: He's a year older. So than if
0: us. he would have just spread these lies out a little bit, he probably would have got away with this crap.
1: Perhaps. Anyway, I I think when you, we deal with this kind of game, right, similar in this in this um, he's gay book, too. He's also gay. Yeah, he's a gay um, Republican.
0: It sounds like you said, when we deal with this kind of gay.
1: When we de- yeah, this is high our, camp. High camp. No, when we deal with this political game, right, there's something to gain from it. Right? You. Yeah. you you allow these people to do something terrible because you yourself have something to gain or you're also building on fear. So the guy who kidnaps this young woman, who turns out to be like genetically modified, so that she can go in between these dimensions. Yes, with the aliens. young woman is genetically modified. Not yeah. the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So she can move through these like uh, dimensions. the r- The reason that he is able to get away with this is that he's dealing with like <laughs> humans' fear of the Kresge, like you know, and capitalizing on that. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to, the end of destroying this alien species, um, I am therefore justified by any means possible, which is kidnapping children, forcing them to do terrible, awful
0: things. Yeah, right? you can, under the guise of, I'm protecting y'all I'm protecting from you. this alien race. So, So this alien race is kind of, is it a metaphor for like, immigrants taking over is it a metaphor for interracial relations it's It's not a metaphor for anything i don't don't think you know we're
1: dealing with space opera right so Yes, there is levels of metaphor, but Jennifer Marie Brissett is a science fiction author. right? Yes. She, and so a, a thing that science fiction authors get annoyed about is when you create a science fictional idea and they're like, well, that's just a metaphor. Like Emily St. Mandel, who who did, you know, Station 11 and she's done mm-hmm. Sea of Tranquility, all this other stuff. Yeah. She's like, oh, th- oh, this is all metaphor. She actually doesn't think about the science of these kinds of aliens. Where right. Jennifer Marie Prescott yeah. goes out of her way to describe like these aliens are might be completely you know we can find metaphors but they are very different from anything we've ever experienced as a human race.
0: I got you. That that you makes know, sense. Does and I'm that gonna make let, sense? I'm gonna I'm going to let her have that. But when we we it is natural for us to compare Fair. this to things that we've experienced or things that we've seen before. And so I'm sure in Star Trek when like. The Romulan, the Klingon, yeah. like, yeah, when, like I'm sure they were a metaphor for something. Yeah, there's a moment
1: where Romulans and Kleons start to like, you know, fall in love with each other. And this interspecies relationship is reflective of a hundred percent of like interracial relationships. Right. For sure. Yeah. There, there is there that for sure. There's that exists for sure. But when people are like, oh, you're in an in interracial couple, you know, it's sort of like, um, what's a famous interracial couple? Sort of like the movie You People, Harry and Meghan. Harry, you're like Harry and Meghan. You're like, no, not, not. That's really not our life. Yeah. Or, no. or interracial talk <laughs> when people try. I don't to think put,
0: anybody sees our content and says like, oh, y'all that's... are just like Harry and Meghan. <laughs> <laughs> no. Meghan and Harry.
1: Meghan and Harry. No, absolutely <laughs> not. But I, I'm saying that sometimes there are these false comparisons, especially with th- science fiction and fantasy, where these aliens, they're like they they have to take a drug that solidifies them because they transfer through dimensions. And then there's this, like, uh, different kind of sex where when you have a sexual experience with a g, they basically envelop you in a cloud and make you, like, moist or wet or whatever Mm. or something. I don't know. It's, like, very (laughs) sexual. Mm. It was fun to read it. those sex scenes. It was fun. Why are those
0: scenes still so horny? It's, like, if if it's (laughs) interspecies... I feel messed up inside if this is about something else, but it's not it's not like a dog or a cat or anything.
1: Well, you know, that's where like p- like pornography is so subjective, right? You know, yes. you can like go and see a bust of David and uh, I don't know museum. what you're talking about now. A bust. You know a
0: bust. I know Dave and Busters. <laughs> no, like a bust.
1: You know when you know a marble a, that's a B U
0: S? Yeah, B U S T. Bust. A bu- okay, so like some titties. No, a bust a bust, Amber,
1: in art is when you is basically a <laughs> a face that you carve out okay let me see a picture of this a bust oh my gosh uh so oh my, oh my, oh gosh. my gosh bust of yeah that's a bust oh it's, it's a okay kind of
0: i well honey you fair you know you're a little more fast a little more cultured than so, me honey so you've so you been a you romania so I, I didn't know what you was talking. About. i thought you were talking about some titties no but what did you call it dave and busters no I, the so bust, if you of see a
1: bust of Dave. david in the bible do you think this is how Dave and Buster's got its name? No, absolutely not. So, y- listen, I'm just trying to say that a- you could see a <laughs> bus and be turned swine. and turned on by like you know inanimate <laughs> objects, right? So it's yeah. just it's what like turns Mona Lisa. You, you have
0: to make it about Mona Lisa. Le- like people get horny when they see her, and then some people are like afraid of her, and then some people are scared of her, and some people want
1: to like throw paint at it and like destroy it or whatever.
0: Wow. You know, I mean, yeah, they they have to make. it. Oh I'm I I forget she screams so much that like it doesn't bother me anymore but you're like, Wait, I'll go get her a Mickey. <laughs> that is for sure
1: being picked up on our sound cues. Uh <laughs> So, I mean, this this book at the uh Uh I basically at the end we discovered that this young woman has now been like conditioned mm-hmm. to hate Crest G. And at yes. one point she's sent back from the encampment after, you know, 10 years living and being conditioned to think that these aliens are evil. And at one mm-hmm. point she meets them and she interacts with she them. She doesn't just meet, she goes on a date yeah, with one of on aliens. Yeah, she goes on a date with one like of aliens. Like her next door
0: neighbor sets her up on a date with one of the aliens and she's kind of like, you know, this is a lot. I went from, like, grow- being taught that these people are evil to now you, like, set me up on blind date with one, to which she completely, you know, she does not do well on the date. She, doesn't. <laughs> she basically, like, takes out a pocket knife and is like, tell me everything you know. Why are y'all here? It's like, yeah. oh, he's like, damn, I was just trying to buy you a burger and fries. Like, yeah, because she,
1: she she's the only one that <laughs> can, like, destroy <laughs> these aliens, which is pretty great. But at one point... She's given this opportunity to kill all the Crest G, and she decides against it, right? Because, and I think that was a really hopeful story, right? You go from this moment of like trauma and terror, and she is, um, you know, sexually assaulted to a point of like absolute power. She becomes like this all powerful being that can like upload herself into the cloud, and she ends up saving the planet and saving the Crest G who, who have decided to live with the humans, which I thought was fun. But, um, I I
0: love the stories of her as a little girl because you, you sort of, you saw that fight in her and that selflessness in her and that compassion. So, there were some scenes when she was a little girl. She, she has these visions, you know, because she is um, half Cora. human, half... Cora. Cora is the name Cora. of her as a little girl. She has these visions where she can... Kind of like a premonition. She's like, something bad is about to happen. I, I, I can't really make out all the pieces, but something like a force is coming she, this way or something. She
1: has basically been modified where she can feel... The cloud. There's basically a cloud encompassing this planet called the lattice. It's sort of essentially a mm-hmm. an internet cloud and she has a direct connection to that. And because of that she gets premonitions and she's able to communicate. Yes. And at one point she's able to then like upload herself into the cloud.
0: Right. But as a child, she senses something is coming. She tries to warn all her child friends, which obviously they're making fun of her or whatever. But she really takes one of her like besties from childhood. I, I wanna say her name was like Nada or something. And she and her run out into the fields and she basically hides her friend in this little shuttle that can only fit one person. So you kind of just saw the early beginnings of like, Oh, you're you're gonna be a leader one day and you're gonna continue these selfless acts and like like think about a, like a little like six or seven year old kid having the wherewithal to be like we are about to die or be captured like let me send my friend instead of myself like i i, I don't know I, I only have a nine month old
1: so that really sacrificial love for you do see it in kids you do, you 100 percent see it in kids 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 can i i think that is really cool to i realize yeah you don't you don't, you don't
0: well, it's not you that don't you see don't that see it in literature or books. You but, don't see it in literature or books, but I, from the children that I do interact with that film. are that age, they're very like that's my doll. That's yeah. my whatever. So it's it's sort of the beginning stages of like learning like is it you like if somebody comes over, you can share whatever with them. So a, so a kid making the judgment call to be like I I'm going to try to fight this, or I'm going to try to survive this. You, my friend, you go. You, if this can only fit one person, you get it. Because she could have easily had that well, premonition and ran and hid.
1: Yeah, but also you have to understand this at this point in humanity's venture, they're all they have left, right? So human yeah. children have been inundated at this point, inundated, that right. inundated to do whatever you can to preserve the human race. Like you probably have yeah, a connection with herself? other humans in a way that other you know, humans today do not have. There's a level of like human unity that probably is not felt. But even yeah, but then. But saving
0: yourself would save the race too, though. Yeah, you
1: know? but I think it's this level of self
0: sacrifice, right? Right. No, I appreciated that because that sort of gave some of that foreshadowing about some things we were going to see later. It is such a joy to be married to somebody who has such an expanse of knowledge on so many things, one of which being mythology. And you told me before that this story was an adaptation, almost, of Persephone and Hades?
1: Yeah, it is a re- it's it is a retelling of the Persephone and uh, Demeter myth. I thought it was Hades. Okay, so, it, Hades, so yeah, break it down for me. Yeah, break Persephone it all the way down, is Hercules. is the daughter, and Demeter is the mother, and Hades steals Persephone's during the winter time. And that's why we get winter. Because Persephone is the goddess of spring and nice things. And then... Persephone is whose daughter? Demeter Smith, daughter.
0: Oh, I see. So Demeter
1: is the mother who... For years in this story, her name is Doso, is looking for her daughter. Correct. She doesn't know where her daughter is. Yes. And so she does everything she can to, like, manipulate herself to get into the position of the city. So she, they live in the countryside. They provide s- food for the city. And it's sort of, it's this is so human. So basically when the humans come to Eleusis, um, they sort of create a hierarchy almost immediately. And there are the farmers and those who live in the city. That makes sense. Right. And those who are the farmers don't get as much money as those who live in the city. And so Doso ends up uniting the farmers to, so that she can have some sort of, political manipulation within the city to go and get her yeah. daughter back because the people in the city are like, we don't care about this warlord. He's not really bothering us. Yeah, He's but just bothering like need, the farmers. So like, no, we need help. Our missing children. It's you also know? funny
0: that the, a lot of the farming is like for food. Sure. But like for weed, like it's oh, called yeah, like it's a, S koala or something, yeah. which is really just like space weed, space which I was weed. like, I love what Jennifer Marie Briss is doing here <laughs> because like, I don't know. I just, I, also, I feel like I've never read a sci-fi fantasy novel that's like, and can we roll these space joints? Like, let's do it.
1: Oh no, we haven't read enough cyberpunk. It's, cyberpunk is all about the space joints. Uh, well, uh, yeah, you got to read that Neuromancer. But uh, at at one point, throughout the the story, um, the the way it works is that at the end of the story. Uh, the woman who plays the Persephone's character has become so all-encompassing and powerful. She's basically, you know, half, um, I guess, robotic or like AI mm-hmm. and then half crestgy, and then half human. Yes, yeah, so is a Janelle Monáe. <laughs> so yeah, she's all these different identities, but because she has an element of like, you know, artificial intelligence with her. She has to upload herself into the cloud every so often to essentially get recharged. And so she leaves her mother. But it's sort of a, a great metaphor of this moment. If you are kidnapped, separated from your parent, and forced to be a child soldier, like that is going to haunt you for the rest of your life. Like, and even, you, if you re- you
0: even if you reunite with them, you're yeah. forever changed in some way. Yeah, yeah.
1: and I think... Uh, the everlasting imprints of trauma is something that she, Jennifer Marie Brissett was sort of, you know, showing on within the context of like alien invasions and stuff.
0: Absolutely. I, this, this book really, it, it was a little hard to follow for me at the very beginning of the book. For those of you who like are like, is enough for me to like pick it up and maybe check it out it was a little bit hard to follow at first because characters it it, it almost was like improv a character you would just be plopped in the middle of a scene and it'd be like and then freddie came from the bathroom whatever with a bruise on his eye you're like who the fuck is freddie like so I, i did a lot of page flipping of like let me go back and like, did I miss a scene where this character was already introduced? Like she would literally just drop characters in scenes. She would drop you in the middle of the scene and you slowly, obviously like put the pieces of the puzzle together, uh, which is hard for me because I can be an impatient reader. And especially if there's not like some sort of map to go back to the front with, which if there was, it would have gave away many parts of the story, but it was really satisfying as the character map started coming together in my head, um, So I I, I really enjoyed that. Kind of like, you know, murder mystery is not my go-to thing, which this wasn't a murder mystery, but, you know, there are some elements of, like, figuring out the clue. Yeah, who kidnapped Colonel Mustard in the dining room with a lid pipe. There was a lot of that happening where I'm just kind of like – so the the pacing for me started slowly, and then it really started picking up, which was really nice. So I – thoroughly enjoyed this book like what what would you say some of your size were i the, that was my side I, guess. I
1: i really we didn't really talk about the twins but we find out later that these twins have been you know genetically modified and because there was a human and crest g lover and they wanted to create children and so they find a way to impregnate the mo- the human mother with like crest g you know dna mm-hmm. and so these humans are they are telepathically tele telepathically aligned and their powers allow them to investigate crimes in this case missing children in a way that other detectives would not i would have liked to have had more of them I, th- I did think it was funny though the twins were awesome yeah. yeah the twins were really cool that the even even alien men sort of like aren't shit and they leave the mom at one point the, <laughs> the crest she the crest is like i don't want any of this like parenthood and like bounces out even though the Cresti go by um, their gender neutral. Yeah. And so they go by zero zero pronouns. Zur, yeah. They do zim. like they Zim. Yeah. yeah. But still you know the in this case they didn't want to take on the role of, of motherhood so
0: they bounced out. Not trash not trash alien parents. Yeah. I dr- so can I ask a stupid question. Maybe? Yeah. You can ask who who is the destroyer of light. Like why are they called the destroyer of light. Why do you think the book got that name?
1: So I think they live on a planet that is completely um, enveloped in shadow. Right. right. And, and I, I got so, like they've had to like so leave I think from it's, Earth. I think this destroyer, destroyer of light is both the humans and the Kresge, right? Okay. Because the humans...
0: Like, it doesn't feel like Stephanie... Cora is the destroyer of light.
1: I just. I think the human race
0: is destroys light.
1: They destroy light. (laughs) They destroy (laughs) goodness. And the Krusty know this, so they took this initiative to kill all the humans because we're like, if the humans learn how to space travel, they're gonna, you know, be awful. And so part there's a Krusty there's a (laughs) there's a Krusty Krusty group who's like fuck humans, and then there's a Krusty group who feels bad for. Destroying humans, and then they yeah, want the sympathizers. The, humans, the sympathizers, yeah. and so you get this like weird, not weird, but a nuanced view of aliens. And a lot of films were like, all Romulans are this way, all, um, uh, you know, oh, Ferengi, all Ferengi are this way, but in actuality, there is diversity within the yeah. different alien populations. And I appreciated I, that, that, and sh- that's what she's sort of playing with. But I think Destroyer of Light are it's a collective action. Like I got you. There's bad I was humans, like, Did good I miss humans, something? good <laughs> humans, bad crusty.
0: Or maybe it's the the leader, the dark leader. I don't. I don't know. I understand that. Are we good? Yeah. Is this bad? you let us do a little bit, but not too much. Anyway. Thank y'all for being patient with us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi sci Podcast. Up next, we're going to be discussing a film. Could you? This is me stalling, yep, so you can the, go find the, the name of Burial of, of Kojak. I, I I see that, Ben. What What do you think? I want to tell people.
1: <laughs> you won't be able to pronounce the director's name, unfortunately.
0: Oh, is it in Twe? Blitz Blitz Bazawule. If I had to guess. The director of this film is Blitz Bazawule, and the film is The Burial of Kojo. The Burial of Kojo. Where are we going to watch this film, Ben? We're really off the cuff today.
1: Uh, Amazon.
0: Amazon Prime. Prime video, right? Mm-hmm. So be sure to watch The Burial of Kojo on Prime Video. Thank you for loving us, supporting us, following us. And we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all.
1: Good job on pronunciation, by the way.
0: Was that how you pronounce it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I feel like Good typically
0: job. when there's like a Ghanaian or a Nigerian name, it's like like W U L E is like Wule.
1: Oh, he was on the uh, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Oh, I'm
0: excited. Yeah. Okay. Th- this will be fun. It will be fun. Watch the burial of Kojo. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye.